keys, tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love walleye, perch, trout and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me When I'm fishing for bun in country Coming up today, another great conversation, this time with our good friend Toby Cavallivog from Leisure Outdoor Adventures. He's been spending virtually every day on Leech Lake, and he was fishing and guiding on Leech Lake when we talked earlier today. We'll get the update on what's going on on Leech and what he anticipates will continue to go on for the remainder of the summer. And it's time to ask the aquatic biologist. Dr. Andy Hafes of Bemidji State University is back. It's all coming up. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Checking in with Toby Cavallivog as he uh, fishes. You're on Leech Lake today, I'm guessing. I am. I'm spending about 90% of my summer on Leech Lake. 112,000 beautiful acres, all kinds of fish, Kevin. And today we're chasing walleye and uh, maybe even chase a couple months before we call it a day. So uh, fishing's good. Let's chat about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I figured you were probably going after muskies this time of year, but you're going for wallies today. I'm basically, I'm starting muskie fishing today. For the next few weeks, I have uh, some of both types of trips, but by August, it's pretty much 100% muskies for me. Um, yesterday was my first casting muskie trip of the year. We started the morning, saw a couple fish, wasn't very good. I actually went back out after uh, after the trip in the afternoon just to try a couple of times. I haven't casted yet. Just kind of learn on the fly here this time of year, figure out what the fish are. And, and I did pull one last night by myself. That's a nice little 42-incher. It was fun. Blue Water Lodge, where I keep my camper for the summer. And now it's back to walleye. All right. So tell me about the bite. You said it was good. Uh, has it been pretty good most of the year? Well, it has. You know, and I've been at 20 years now, Tanya and Brian. And the guy looks not And, you know, year in, year out, the no moon in July has just kind of been a big fish time. From my time on Gull Lake down by Brainerd, Minnesota, to uh, transition to here, Leech Lake, or wherever, wherever I'm at. Just the no moon in July seems to be a big fish, big fish time for whatever reason. And this week has been no different. We've had, we've had three fish this week over 30 inches in this lund, and uh, that tell you what, that just doesn't happen in central Minnesota very often. And it's been, it's been crazy. We started this morning with a, a 29 incher here. We got that's our first fish, and we caught a few pike. And, and I've had a few days with this, this couple, and, and, and they got their keepers uh, pretty much on day one. So it's been chasing big fish since, since then, and just kind of. Uh, having fun so that's the idea so the fishing temperature right now the water temperature is 76 degrees around leech lake and it was up into that 82 mark when we had that really hot stretch a couple weeks ago so the mayfly hatch everything is about two weeks ahead the mayfly hatch is done over with that's no more no more a concern for those that are worried about mayfly hatches and and uh, then we had a little cool off this week with the rainy day and the cold cold the cold rain helped really help the water temperatures and and now we're looking at 75 76 in the morning and it's pushing 80 again by the afternoon. So that's, that's great. The fish are active that way. It's a little concerning for muskies that the water is that warm this mm-hmm. time of year because, you know, there's a big concern when the water temp gets to 80 that there's not a lot of oxygen in the top part of the water column. So catching and releasing, like, for example, last night, we had 79 degrees when I caught that fish. I did not bring that fish in the boat. Just hooked, unhooked it to the side of the boat. I didn't think I needed to have pictures that bad. So <laughs> just let her go and pat him on the head and say thank you. So... The water temps are perfect. There's a lot of bait fish, so it's summer patterns for sure. We're catching our walleye here on Leech Lake with night crawlers, bloody rigs have been good, and bobbers and leeches have been, of course, artificial stuff. Seem to catch fish as well. So, uh, 
smallmouth bass. Guys are catching smallmouth bass, and uh, well, it was the aim tournament here uh, yesterday, and I believe the team that won it were throwing swim baits and big rocks out of the main lake and and uh, using their active target or or live scope, whichever brand of electronics they're trying to the big ones. And it's been surprising. There's been a lot of fish caught this year. Wow, big up until this week, it's the water is shallower and it's been phenomenal that way. So. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at, and uh, we're in our summer pace to set our goal, which is uh, 650 to 700 trips this summer, Kevin, so it's been busy, and we're catching lots of fish. You mentioned lots of 30-inch fish. Obviously, uh, to get to 30 inches, a fish has to live a few years, but about how old is a 30-inch fish? Well, you know, it's fish are a lot like humans, you know, you they need time to get that big, obviously, but uh, there's genetic factors, too. You know, some of the oldest fish in studies that people have, have found are just 24 or 22, 23 years old. I kind of look at them when, they're, when, they're, when they look old, their fins are beat up. That's probably a fish that's in that 15- to 20-year class. Um, when they're big, long, and super healthy, bulky, like a teenage person that's hitting the weights, uh, they're probably just a healthy, good fish with good genetics, you know. So the fish, the fish we've caught, I'm not sure that we didn't catch. Uh, and that's all becomes catch. It's becoming more popular, and we certainly like to let them go so they can grow. It just sounds like uh, it's been from the times I've talked to different guys on Leech Lake. It's just been a consistently good year, pretty much from the opener. It has been. It's been phenomenal in this Leech Lake, right? It's a it's a big lake. It's diversified. You can go, you can catch fish shallow and deep and everywhere in between. And uh, the thing about that is when, when one bite slows down, another one's just picking up. So if, if you have a slow day, you can pretty much bet that uh, you got that out of the way and you're going to have a few good days coming up, you know. So they're just, you just got to move. You got to find the fish. You gotta, I like to stay away from boats. Very seldom my fishing by boats. Um, and that's kind of key, too. Cause they do get spooky, spooky and, the, and the, fish, the fish are in bunches. They're in bunches, but small, tight groups. So you might go over a pot of fish. It's anywhere from 3 to 20 fish. In that school, but they're not any bigger than your boat, you know. So when you get two or three boats running over that school, they disperse, bites over. So there's a lot of fish, a lot of different places. The key is to spread out. It's a huge lake, and uh, you'll have a lot more success. So this uh, crew you're uh, you're with today, you've had them a few times. Uh, so they they know a little bit about fishing, do they? They do. They're they're getting dialed in. You know, they they. Uh, I just put the bait on the on the hook now and hand them the rod, and they do the rest. Like just get get them over the fish, do my job, and they absolutely do catch them. We 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 got a couple of tactics that we figured out throughout the years, and and uh, they don't forget them. So they come back, they're excited. They've been at the chase in the lake for ten days, and uh, we fish four times our fourth time fishing together. They're just having a ball, and they're they're already making plans for next year, and that's pretty common with our clients. And uh, it always helps when you catch a few fish. Brian caught a thirty and a half incher. Tanya caught a twenty nine and a half incher. And we've had a few other ones like that too this week. So a lot of fun, a lot of smiles, a lot of laughs. Um, and you got a lot of guys uh, working for you guys at uh, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Uh, what's your network of uh, fellow guides telling you about uh, other lakes and, and other species? Well, I was just talking to Colby Gallagher over on Winnie. Um, I'm actually going over there next week to film our guide life show. And uh, we're going over a big giant fish right now, Kevin. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll do a little play-by-play. We get bit here. So uh, <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Winnie is uh, is, uh, his, his words quote-unquote, was it's a big fish method right now. A big fish over there, they have a slot. So overfish, you know, the, there's a lot of 22 to 26-inch fish being caught over there. So those are good-sized fish for winning, and, of course, lots of lots of 12 to 14-inchers, too, for, for meals. And I think they're fishing a little deeper over there. Humps, now they're using spinners and catching fish that way. So winning's been good. Uh, Jason Freed's up from Vermilion. They're catching fish, smallmouth, largemouth, uh, pike up in the rivers. 
Uh, they're having a lot of fun up there, too. And I think they're just Logan uh, Widelich, who's one of our guys, is just starting to do some musky trips up there. I haven't heard. I haven't seen any pictures yet of those. You know, those guys, I think they have to use those uh, those uh, expensive cell phones way up there in Vermilion so they can get service. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hear from them as much. The, the satellite phones, I think, is the word I'm looking for. So yeah. Every time they call me, he said it's about 20 bucks worth. So I, I, I kind of let them leave them alone. But, uh, yeah, we're spread out. The Gull Lake area, Gull Lake and Brainerd, where we're on Nick, uh, Nick Miltimore's fishing. Uh, they're catching a bunch of fish down there. And uh, my neighbor, I have a neighbor fishing guy there, too. And, and uh, 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 the Blazings, you know, which uh, maybe you've chatted with yeah. now. But uh, mm-hmm. they've, been, they've been getting some big fish on Gull Lake. And, so it's just, you know, the again, no moon week. We had a cool off, and that really helps with fishing. And uh, it seems like all the lakes are going pretty strong right now. And as we come off the no moon, uh, it'll my and it's getting hot now. Our forecast is for 80s and and a lot of sun. So that early morning and evening hours, so like like uh, traditional fishing times, are going to become real key. A lot more to come with Toby Cavallibog of Leisure Outdoor Adventures. But up next, we check in with Dr. Andy Hafes of Bemidji State University. It's time to ask the aquatic biologist. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi... Bemidji, one step further. Ask the aquatic biologist. It's time to ask the aquatic biologist another tough question. Dr. Andrew Haves from Bemidji State University. This is a, this is an interesting question. <laughs> I don't know if it's theoretical. I don't know how real it is, but uh, I'm I have no other recourse but to to just read it because uh, I don't even know how to describe it other than that. Are there any ecosystems that depend on fish for nutrients? So in in an area where salmon carcasses are frequently brought up in the soil by bears or if they wash up after spawning, would that area's soil, trees, and other plants struggle to survive if that fish population declines and there aren't as many of those carcasses showing up on the land? Yes, that is exactly the situation that I would describe, too, as one that is very reliant on those fish that you would not necessarily think of. And I, I think where this came from is I can remember reading a study back, you know, years ago that just weighed on me very heavily. And then I mentioned that in my classes all the time because of that. And so it, that is the exact situation. The salmon migrations that come up um, are oftentimes of such a scale that there is a mass transfer of nutrients from the ocean to those ecosystems, the aquatic ecosystem. And then there are so many bears in the area, too, that grab and other wildlife that grab those fish and bring them up onto the shore that the signatures from those fish, you know, the, the scientists can use pretty sophisticated methods to, yeah. to see where the nutrients are coming from. Those actually show up in the plant communities. Really? Isn't that crazy? It's really crazy. Yeah, that's how much. And, and imagine, I'm not even, like, how many rivers that these migrations used to be present on on such greater scale that I would imagine those ecosystems now that the 
runs aren't as large as they were, are substantially altered and less productive than they used to be. If we want to bring that closer to home, the one I've thought about here is that when I was first, my first or second year that I was here was one of the warmest summers that we had, and we had a giant fish kill on Lake Bemidji. And I went out on the boat, and there, were, within 30 yards of me, right, there was probably a dozen dead white suckers or um, cisco, you know, mm-hmm. in that floating on the lake. And I was thinking about how much of those nutrients from those dead fish went back into the lake, which happens pretty quickly, right? The mm-hmm. nutrients from these dead fish leach out pretty fast. And how many of those fish actually got transported away from the system by eagles and osprey and other things. And I guarantee that that event had pretty large ramifications on fish growth and phytoplankton populations for the years to come after that. The interdependence, it just blows my mind when you think about it. When you think about the fact that, you know, you think they throw a fish on the, and then it dries up and whatever. You don't think about the impact positively it apparently has on the ecosystems on, on the land side of it. And so you're right. I mean, if all of a sudden uh, we have a huge shortage of salmon, big problems. Yeah. I mean, for, for a lot of reasons, but even reasons you don't think of. The interdependence is incredible. Yeah. If I remember correctly in that study, too, it wasn't like this marginal distance of like five yards within the stream it was quite a ways out that they could measure detectable traces of that influence and so it was it was very interesting uh and just really neat to think about well yeah as we think about the impacts we make positively and negatively it, it goes far 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 further than we have any idea yeah and if we just bring this you know talk about it a little bit more even Every ecosystem is essentially dependent upon the fish in some way, right? So if you can actually change water clarity in a system by changing how many predators there are up at the top, just from that one simple, you know, it's not, especially in fairly simple ecosystems where there's not very many different levels to that food chain, there's been some classic studies that have shown you can manipulate water clarity just by having different densities of predators. Wow. That's how connected everything is from the top all the way to the bottom. We've talked about that with zebra mussels and other AIS on a regular basis, the impacts and changes that those make over yeah. the course of years. Yeah, I think the one thing that's really neat about this question is that it takes it one step even further and talks about how it's influencing terrestrial environments as well. And if we take it even one step further, there are probably many, many communities where the humans actually depend on the nutrients, right? Right. <laughs> so, and that's yeah. driving entire communities mm-hmm. and shaping entire landscapes as a result of the fish in the system. And, you know, you go right down to the first level. We were talking about bears bringing them up and throwing them on. If all of a sudden there aren't any salmon for the bear, that's going to be huge just to the bear population. Right, for sure. Wow. Always complicated, always fascinating. Dr. Andrew Hafes from Bemidji State University with our uh, Ask the Aquatic Biologist question. And do you have a headache yet? Are you okay? I'm doing fine. Okay, thanks, Andy. We appreciate it. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Toby Cavallivog from Leisure Outdoor Adventures, my guest today. And Toby, when it comes to fishing, different times of year are far more easier than others, but 
it just seems, and I think a lot of it is equipment we use, and a lot of it is just anglers being smart and learning and reading and, and, and just uh, getting better all the time, that what they call the, uh, the dog days isn't quite as bad as they used to be. There always seems to be a way to catch fish. It may take longer, but, you know, I never hear of those just, their fish are absolutely not biting anymore like I used to. Well, they got to eat, right? I mean, they're fish. They swim, and they got to find food, and they got to eat. But you're right. The dog days are are kind of a thing of the past. Electronics are so good right now. You do find the fish, and you just got to be there. Got to be there when they're hungry. And and with the uh, moon and and moon moon phase calendars out there, a person can be real real conscious of that. And absolutely, once you find the fish with the electronics, just make sure you're there using the right presentation at the right time, and you're going to get bit. So. Oh, we're feeding line here. Is somebody? False alarm. False alarm. Oh, False alarm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to have to run for a net, but okay, we just went over a three minute fish, and we had a, we had a nervous minnow, I think. So. Oh, okay. Uh, we happen to be using big chubs right now, trying to catch these big fish. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, the dog days of summer are over, and and uh, it does slow down. And the problem is, there's so much food in the lake, the fish just get the fish just get full in a hurry. They don't have the fishing opener jigging a shiner time and the fish are off their spawn they're super hungry they're trying to fatten up well now they're fat let me tell you these fish are huge here so uh now it's that it's, it's i kind of say it's like uh, sitting on the couch after thanksgiving time after your meal you sit there and, and unless somebody brings you a pie on a plate to your couch you're probably not going to open your mouth so you sometimes you got to slow it down and put them on a bobber and just let it sit there like an after dinner mint that's what a that's what a leech is to a walleye well you you are involved in fishing for like i say many many years you are involved in uh, teaching you know youth you uh, are in a town that has an incredibly huge high school fishing team one of the things this new generation i'd say from the you know maybe 40 and younger uh, they seem to be really into, you know, if the walleyes aren't biting for a few hours, let's go catch bass. They're just not quite oh, yeah. jumping into that. I'm only going to fish for one species thing. Yes, and not only that, but sport fishing, the sport fishing days. So they're not. They just want to get bit and they want to have fun. And, and yeah. find that a lot with guiding, you know. And and you're right. And they are very, very good technical anglers. They they have an understanding of technology better than most fishermen that have been doing it their whole life. Oh, boy, are they deadly! It's hard for us guys that have been fishing tournaments or whatever for 20 years to compete with them because they are so good. And that's great for the uh, the industry. Absolutely. I mean, there was a stretch where there was real concern about the future of fishing and hunting, and we seem to have uh, bounced back from that and have this whole new generation of very enthusiastic anglers and outdoorsmen. Yep, absolutely. So, and that's that's great. I mean, that's exactly right. The industry. I mean, you can't get a boat right now in 2021 if you want to order a new one. You wait until next year because so many people are getting back into it. And and you go to a go to a Reed Sporting Goods or a Sporting Goods store there in Bemidji, and and uh, the products are limited it's not because they're not they're too cheap to put them on the shelf it's because people are buying them and that's again the, the industry like everything else is just taking off there's always been um yeah you know women that uh, that are been into fishing and, and they go out with the family and they do they do the fishing thing what we're seeing now though what i'm really excited about uh, is just this explosion of women involved in the industry whether it be in the dnr whether it be fishing the pro circuits now Breaking yep. into guiding, I think that's just a huge plus as well for the industry. Isn't that great? Yes, no, I agree. And it's 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 people of all sorts and sizes and ethnic backgrounds. Um, it's just it's huge. And it's you know I think with if one bright thing out of of COVID happens, it's people are getting outside and enjoying the outside more. And uh, I think that is a product of that. And it's you know it's just it's it's a positive thing for the sporting industry. 
Well, fishing just is instinctive. I mean, it's been one of the first things humans have done since they uh, since they became humans. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is absolutely. That's how people survive, you know. And and that's where fishing has changed. It was. It truly was fishing and angling and hunting and gathering was truly was a way to survive back in the back in the early days and up through the sixties, seventies, eighties. And uh, you know, it, it's just it's evolved. It's changed, and our fishing is as good now as it has been, you know, ever. And mm-hmm. a product of a product of technology, but it's also a product of catch relief. And I just think the educational side of of fishing has, has just made the industry and the sport so much better. Absolutely, and uh, and I'm huge advocate of all of those things. But I do like me a good walleye too. You know, I, we we had a fish fry with uh, uh, day one here with this group. We did a fish fry and, and had some had some walleye, and I got the thumbs up, and and uh, it was very good. They they're going to bring some back with them, and and uh, everything's positive that way. But yeah, you can, it's hard to beat a fresh a fresh walleye. With a little uh, Cajun store lunch, that's my style, and, and uh, get a little spice to it. And you got me yeah. hungry now, Kevin. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, listen, if people uh, want to hop on your boat and go fishing for muskies or walleyes or what have you, uh, how do they go about doing that? Well, you can contact Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Leisure Outdoor Adventures, our website is Leisure Outdoor Adventures, plural, adventures.com, or our toll-free number is 855-LOA-HOOK. 855-LOA-HOOK. That's correct. That's the acronym, and that'll that'll get you in touch with uh, Paul or Jim Ernster. We'll call or answer the phone and and uh, set you up. And they do a great job of kind of feeling everybody out, see what they want to chase: adults, kids, muskies, panfish, whatever it is. They'll select. Uh, we have ten fishing guides, and they'll pair you up with the right one. You mentioned your video uh, series. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So the guide life is a uh, lifestyle type fishing show, show series. We we highlight each of our fishing guides, and uh, we have that at our Leisure Outdoor Adventures YouTube page. And so far this year, we have two two uh, two of the shows up and and live there. And uh, Jeff Anderson and I had a day in a boat here a couple weeks ago, and I just saw a teaser from it. And uh, not only did we catch a lot of fish, it was a lot of fun. So Leisure Outdoor Adventures on YouTube, Leisure Outdoor Adventures on social media. We have an Instagram and we have a Facebook page. So that's where people can kind of catch up and see what we're doing. There's a lot of 30-inch walleye pictures on there right now. It's pretty fun. So be- All right, Toby, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time while you're a busy uh, guide, and I appreciate it. Kevin, as always, thank you, and hello, and thanks for listening to all the people of Paul Bunyan Country. The first of many great interviews this week on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Dick Beardsley will be in later on in the week. Jamie Elting of Grant Creek Outfitters. Jason Bozer will be checking out the Grand Rapids scene. Tom Whitehead from over in the Brainerd Lakes area. Joel Nelson will be talking southern Minnesota fishing. And Jared Houston over in the Duluth area. Just a few of the great interviews we have this week on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. That'll do it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast so you can listen whenever you want to. You can do that on Podcast One or on the PodMN app. And before I wrap it up, I want to remind you a couple of fishing tournaments that are coming up. You can register for both at tourneyangler.com. One of them is this Saturday, and it's going to feature any lake in Beltrami, Hubbard, or Cass County, and that's Bemidji State University football's War on the Shore. Seven walleyes, three northerns, most inches wins. And, of course, next week, the second annual Lucan's Village Foods United Way Fishing Tournament which also features three counties, any lake in Clearwater, any lake in Beltrami, and any lake in Hubbard County. 
There's a Bass Division and a Walleye Division. $3,000 guaranteed first prize for each division. Big Fish category as well for both Walleyes and Bass. And there's a lot more prizes. You can get all the details at the United Way website or get registered again at tourneyangler.com. Once again, thanks for being here. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.